pipe, oh, and it's blocked, yes. and it is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans. We'll take you to places most fans never go, to practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown, Taysom Hill, to Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again, and guess who, Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Inside Black and Gold from, uh, I'm in my water boil advisory house in Metri. While Jeff is living the dream in the city, we are here to bring you the latest on the Saints. Some new offensive coordinator update. Uh, we'll get into mock drafts already and even a little Taysom Hill talk. How you doing, Jeff? I'm doing good. Yeah, I can still drink my tap water. I mean, it's still poisoning me probably, right? But I can drink it without without heating it up first. So I guess that's a that's an improvement over your situation. Uh, but yeah. We're just going to get, you know, this first segment, we're just going to get into kind of the, the latest offense coordinator updates. There's only a couple of them. Um, and then, yeah, we're going to use the second segment to go through your mock draft, your initial mock draft. Final segment to go through my initial mock draft. You're going to talk it out. Figure it out, right? Go through what we think is, you know, this is kind of the placeholder one where I pick a pick based on the idea of a thing. And I just pick a player that I haven't really had a ton of time to go through the film yet um, or scout yet. And then we have the senior bowl next week. So that'll kind of be a good jumping off point into that. But yeah, first things first. So one, you know, there's been a couple more offensive coordinator interviews that have come out since we last spoke. Three were reported previously. So one was Ronald Curry, which we all kind of expected the internal candidate would have been weird if they didn't interview him. Uh, Obviously he's a, a serious option. Um, and it's really a question of, do you want to rebuild a lot of it? Or do you want to stick with a good chunk of what you've done and maybe refresh it? Cause that would be the Ronald Curry hire would be a, a sign that you're not overhauling the offense significantly. And that's a big right. question is how much do you want to change? Um, the others, which are not a surprise and they have come out now because, you're talking about teams that played into the divisional round, right? So you have the 49ers, you have Brian Greasy, who's their quarterbacks coach under Kyle Shanahan, Clint Kubiak, son of Gary Kubiak, Clint with a K, who is the 49ers pass game coordinator, pass game specialist, whatever their title is, right? So those are those are three that got reported earlier this week. Um, and then the most recent one literally just came out minutes before we came on here, which is Steelers. Was he their offensive coordinator? Their interim offensive coordinator? Uh, quarterbacks coach. Steelers quarterbacks coach. Yeah, sorry. Steelers quarterbacks coach Mike Sullivan, who's interesting because he doesn't really check the boxes of some of these other guys that you have interviewed. And Maybe this is a sign of the Saints starting to broaden their search a little bit outside of the McMay-Shanahan guys because Mike Sullivan, while he, he does check my box, of being a former offensive coordinator doesn't have any of that experience crossing over with Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan outside of crossing paths with Clint Kubiak in Denver. But he was the offensive coordinator for the Giants back in the 2015-2016 season. That was the Ben McAdoo coach season for the Giants season plus, which is a really hilarious error when you look at it because Ben McAdoo lost his job 
after trying to bench Eli Manning for Geno Smith. And at the time, everyone was like, you're crazy. Geno Smith, he's not a starting quarterback in the NFL. What are you doing? Put Davis Webb in, who was their third round pick that year. And uh, the reaction was so loud that the that the front office was like, you know what? Never mind. We're going to fire Ben. Eli, you go back in. Uh, <laughs> we're going to we're going to start you the rest of the year. Gino kick rocks. Um, <laughs> and then you moved on. Eventually, you got Daniel Jones. He took over for Eli Manning the next season. Now, Gino Smith is out in Seattle starting, which is like if you're Ben McAdoo, you must be looking at that and being like, well, I guess yeah, what, what a, I think I was right. Yeah, I think that's true. Anyway. Um, but yeah, Mike Sullivan, his his biggest, you know, credential is being the offensive coordinator for the Giants uh, for a period of time. He was also their wide receivers coach. I think he was a quarterbacks coach at one point. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting one because again, it's not the, it doesn't check the boxes of the guys that you like the Zach Robinsons and the Dan pitchers and these guys. Right. And yeah, with with, uh, the Pittsburgh gig, he did take over play calling once Matt Canada got canned. Matt canned. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I, that's what we were joking about. It was like, I don't mind that they're interviewing Mike Sullivan as long as they don't even like take a second look at Matt Canada. Like, I don't even want to like, if like we talk about guys getting coaching opportunities, you know, Arthur Smith is another guy who there's reports that he's getting a lot of interest in offensive coordinator searches. And it doesn't make, it's not surprising to me because there's so many available. And, you know, we talked about this, you kind of, you kind of laughed it off, but at the same time, it's like he was a head coach because he was a good offensive coordinator right? Like even if you complain about Dennis Allen as a head coach, I think we can all agree that he could fall back and still be a good defensive coordinator, right? Josh McDaniels is the same thing. Like he is getting head coaching jobs because he's a good offensive coordinator. Now those two things don't always even out, which means being a good offensive coordinator and being a good head coach, but you can certainly fall back and be an offensive coordinator that with success, right? Look at Dan Quinn, right? Dan Quinn is He's been so good with the Cowboys that everyone wants him, but he won't leave the Cowboys. And and I do think it's interesting, but you know, uh, it's it's going to be. I do wonder. You know, you look at Shane Waldron taking the job with the Bears, and one of the questions going to be: It's not whether a coach will come coach the Saints offense. They'll find someone that's willing to do it. It's going to be when you are in a bidding war with another team. For instance, Dan Pitcher who Brian Callahan got hired to go coach the Titans, right? He's their head coach now. So do the Bengals elevate Dan Pitcher? And now you're competing with the Bengals for a guy you might want, right? Like that that becomes difficult because you're yeah. holding that scenario up to, to against the Saints and you're not necessarily saying, will they come coach the Saints? Sure, but will they come coach the Saints when this other option is available and they could choose that instead? That's the question that's going to come up. And I think that gets more and more protracted. You have to ask, is that happening more, more, more often than not? Um, and, and is that how you end up with a guy like Arthur Smith, even though he's probably still a little salty about how that season ended? I'd, I'd be kind of interested on in his first meeting in the Saints building with Jameis in the room. I don't think Jameis would be in the room. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't think Arthur Smith will be either. It would just be funny. No, I don't think Arthur Smith's going to get the job. I just think there's a reason that he's like, he will get interest. Of course he will. Like just because you fail as a head coach doesn't mean teams scratch you off their list and say, "Oh, he's hopeless." Uh, I, t- I think a team that wants to re- revitalize their run game and dedic- rededicate themselves to the run game might well, go back a lot to of Tennessee. In Arthur Smith, right? The Titans were a much better offense when he was there, right? I mean, Derrick Henry was—you know—first people forget. 
the first few years of Derrick Henry's career, he was he was he wasn't good. He was still the same guy. So why right. wasn't he good? Well, he paired with Arthur Smith, and they then they created a, a scheme, and they improved, and they dedicated themselves to the run game, and they you know he was you know a, a perennial All Pro guy, and now you seem I think he's kind of reached that point. Derrick Henry has where he's kind of falling off a little bit. Um, but no, I, I think it's interesting. And that kind of leads into, you know, one of my biggest questions, like w- whenever the saints hire a guy is going to be, okay, how do you plan to incorporate Taysom Hill into this offense? Because, you know, I've had seen people say, well, they should cut him, They should trade him. You're not cutting him, You're not trading him because that would cost you $16 million in dead money to cut, to cut Taysom or trade Taysom this off season, maybe next year. It's possible. Uh, and there's you could potentially go the route of making him a post-June 1 cut or trade, which would, I think, be $5 million this year, and that would push $11 million of the dead cap to next year. But that's not mm. better. It just makes your operational cost this year a little simpler. So I think you have to go in with the idea that Taysom is on your offense, and the question is, how are you going to use him? Uh, because I don't... like. I think Taysom has been used in... or these last two years in terms of you're trying to find ways, but I don't think you've been very creative with how you're using him in, in terms of like the Taysom runs, like you've been using him more as a pass catcher, but, and I have some numbers here, but I just don't think that this past season specifically, you saw the level of creativity within that Taysom offense that you probably want to see. Yeah. From, for me, the problem definitely, I want to, I want more usage out of Taysom. I just don't feel like, it's been consistent enough. It, he, there's there's times in games he just disappears. Well, see, no, I, I disagree with that because I think you have used Taysom a, a, more these last two years. He disappears because you're only using him in these incredibly predictable ways, and when those get stopped, what do you do? Right? Mm. You don't have a counter. Like 95% of the time you see Taysom in the backfield with Derek Carr on the sideline, and the entire plan is, okay, we have an extra blocker and we're going to see if we can block all these guys and Taysom can find a hole. That's the offense. Like you can go left or right, you can you can do a few things out of it, but it's pretty straightforward. It's not cre- you would not call that creative. Right? No, and agreed. so, you know, one of the things and I've said this, we've talked about this before is why don't you see plays where Derek Carr is set to the is, is off to in wide, right? You we saw it saw last that with year Drew. Really Drew Brees would do that. Drew Brees would do that. Right. And and I know that people are like, well, he's not really he's not really drawing any attention over there. But that's not the point. The point is there should be scenarios where you call two plays and one is a check to if they show this look, we are checking to a Taysom Hill run. The quarterback is splitting out wide and we are running Taysom Hill against a light look or against this personnel that we don't believe can stop him even without that extra blocker. And you don't have that and the evidence is pretty clear because you can look up like where so if you go in pro football focus you can look at snaps by position so it actually saves a lot of time in terms of going back and watching every single taste of hill run uh which can be hard to parse out and so this past season Derek carr he started 17 games he missed a couple he missed like a a a full game when you combine all of the second halves that he got hurt in so you could say 16 games total he was in for he was split out wide eight times all season long I'm go back to last. <laughs> well, go back to in that. That's not necessarily. It's like sometimes it's Alvin Kamara, or sometimes you do a double reverse handoff or whatever. So it's not always like 
the same as him being out wide. But, you know, if you go back to last year with Andy Dalton, they did it. Let's see. Andy Dalton in 2022, 33 times. He started 14 games. They did it 33 times that he was split out wide. And it's not always a run play. There was a long pass to get to Rashid Shahid and the win over the Falcons. You know who was standing at the bottom of the screen, not getting any attention? Andy Dalton, right? Taysom Hill found Rashid Shahid for like a 70-yard touchdown or a 60-yard touchdown. Like it's, it's not about the numbers per se. It's about keeping the defense off balance and forcing them to adjust and then attacking what weakness they decide to show. Go back. And it's hard to kind of gauge in terms of snap count from like 2020 and 2021 because Taysom started several games each of those seasons. So his snaps at quarterback are a lot higher and it's hard to kind of get a good measuring stick. In 2020, when Drew Brees started 12 games, he was split out 18 times. And I think you're dealing with an injury. You want to be careful just in case like something weird happens. So you're not getting as creative with him. But you go back to 2018, which is the last time you didn't have a quarterback miss four to five games in a year. Drew Brees in 16 starts was split out wide 55 times. Wow. 55. That's Drew Brees. Yeah. And this was back when your offense was was humming. Right? That was the NFC Championship year. Yeah. So so what happened? What's changed? Why aren't you doing that anymore? I think it's just a, I think to me that's just an underlying sign of like the lack of creativity in this offense and because you have the most versatile player in the NFL but you're only using him in incredibly predictable ways. And especially now that you can use him more as a threat downfield, I think that he's shown that he can a pass catcher and run these routes and in instead of forcing them to to respect him as a pat as a route runner and as a pass catcher and then using that to your advantage because they're going to be in nickel and dime looks you don't do it at all and so like like i'm not saying like the the new offensive coordinator his plan for Taysom hill is going to be what gets him the job or doesn't get him the job but that's going to be one of my biggest questions of like how exactly do you intend to use Taysom hill because not a lot of guys are walking through the door with experience in that type, you know, with that level of gadget type plays in your offense. Like no other team does it. There's no other Taysom Hill. Um, so yeah, yeah. What's really curious to me is like obviously we've seen uh, a decrease in his use on special teams. He's not totally, totally not you know doing that anymore. But I figured with the you know less special teams work he'd be getting more involved in the offense, and I just don't feel like that has been the case for Taysom. Why, why, I don't think he's been used less on special teams. What do you mean? I just felt like he was used more, obviously, uh, you know, as your gunner or, you know, trying to uh, be a block, you know, block a punt, and I just don't feel like he's used as much there anymore. I, I disagree with that. So this year, okay, kick coverage, he, he's not used on kick coverage as much. But kick return, 23, 71, 65, 163, 164. He got 164 snaps on special teams this year in 2023. Last year, he got uh, 145, 158, 160, 163. So about the same. 2021... That's hard because, again, these are seasons where... So the seasons that he started games at quarterback, his numbers will be down. But yeah. uh, let's go back to like 2018. And like 20, even 2019 would be tough because when Teddy Bridgewater was a starting quarterback, he was the backup and that limited his usage, if you remember. Um, but let's see, 2018, 103, 175, 
Yeah, this season he got you know about two fifty, but I mean I don't I don't I don't think I think you are still using him on special teams significantly, right? Like he's in every punt, he's the personal protector on punts. He's out there in the field goal block. So I, I don't know. I, I don't think that his usage has gone down as a special team t- special teamer. Yeah, I don't know. For whatever reason, it definitely felt that way to me. I I, I don't know. I'm used to seeing Taysom come in and you know making a play on special teams, and I guess that really hasn't stood out for me the, the past couple of years. Well, well, one of my issues is that you've never used him as a, a, a for a fake. <laughs> He's in there on every single punt. I don't think you've used him for one fake since that time against the 49ers where he threw. And uh, remember, there was the, the whole, like, is it, is it holding or is it not holding? You know? Right. Uh, that's the last time I remember a fake. Maybe I'm wrong. But, like, what, like, that's one of the perks of having him there is, like, you're always, you know, threatening to run a fake. And I don't – and they just never have anyway. But like, like one of the reasons that leaving Taysom on the field, leaving Derek on the field, when you when you run him in some of those sets is like, okay, so you don't have to sub, right? Like you don't have to project what you're doing, um, and then you can run multiple plays against looks that you like, right? Like if if you have Derek on the sideline then the only way to get him back on the field is to sub, obviously, which allows the other team to match personnel. If you have both of those guys on the field and you like that first look to run against and you do it and it works, you can do it again or you can go back and run a play with Derek Carr under center and then hit him again with that run. You can run three plays in a row without substituting and they can't match. So so you're able... It's just... It's like... I just want to see them use Taysom the way that you used to use Taysom. (laughs) you know like you go back to 2018 and and it just seemed like there was a plan and now that plan is well let's hit him with a hammer again it it definitely seems that they treat him a little with kid gloves too i don't know if they're worried about injury with him obviously because of how he's used you do have to be yeah i mean you do have to consider that to some extent um but yeah i'm not saying you give him 20 carries a game I'm just, but like one of the reasons he takes such high impact on these runs is because he's constantly running into a brick wall. Yeah. You know, like he should be able to break runs against safeties, not Sam linebackers, you know? Um, and, and that's, that's my biggest frustration. So that's it. That's all I really have. But I just, that's like one of the questions I have because it's one of the unique things about the Saints offense that if a guy comes in and says, like, I want to change this and do something else entirely, you need to have a good reason. Um, and uh, so we'll see. But yeah, that's 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 all I have on the offensive coordinator search. And, you know, we're getting into senior bowl time. I imagine you're going to want to be making a hire soon. But who knows? That's when you get into the area of, well, I have two offers. Which one do I want to take? And do you get into a bidding war? And and is Mickey kind of sending... Gail a text being like, hey, can we up this guy's salary by another half a million? And you know. uh, overall, though, I think a lot of people have been really down on the Saints situation on offense. And if you really look at it, it's it's not that bad of a scenario, in my opinion, when you have a Derek Carr, Alvin Kamara, you know, Chris Olave uh, in the mix. You mentioned Taysom Hill. The list goes on and on. Obviously, I think the, the offensive line kind of needs an overhaul, but uh, other than that, there's still plenty of weapons to get to on this offense. No, it's not the worst situation by any stretch. Right? There are worse situations to go to. You have supportive supportive ownership, right? You have an offense right. that you can control. You know, like that's one of the th- one of the reasons that I think the Saints would have 
you know, I, I don't know if it would be easier to hire an offensive coordinator if you're not a play calling offensive coordinator, right? Like, so you can say you're the you are the the rock star of this offense, right? And you know, what? what why did Eric Bieniemy leave Kansas City to go coach the offense in Washington so he could be the full time offensive coordinator there? Um, because every year he would go into these head coaching interviews and they'd be like, you don't even call your own plays. <laughs> you know, like, so I think there is some attractiveness there where, it, you know, if in another situation, it might not be as, you know, it's like, Ryan, why did Ryan Nielsen leave New Orleans? He was already a defensive coordinator. So why did he leave? Because he got to be a defensive coordinator on Arthur Smith's staff and it went well, even though his head coach got fired, he was able to snag a job very quickly with a right. playoff caliber Jacksonville team that obviously fell off the face of the earth late in the season, but it's still a, you know, I think it's going to be an attractive pick to, to get back to the postseason next year. So like this idea, like DA being maybe a lamb duck coach, if, if he gets fired this season, it's not helpful, but it's also, it's not disqualifying in a lot of ways. It's just going to come down to what offers are they considering? You know, like, again, like, like Shane Waldron, if it came down to the saints and the bears, the team with the number one overall pick, and you can right, be like, do you want Caleb Williams? Because he's yours if you want him. <laughs> you know, that's a pretty good sales pitch. Right. Um, but not every team has that. You know, like, you know, what about the Titans? You know, they got to hire an offensive coordinator for Brian Callahan, but he's probably going to be the play calling offensive coordinator. So is that better? You know, uh, it, Tennessee, right? Like, I, I don't think they have a ton of weapons. They don't really have an established quarterback. Maybe you go with Will Levis, you feel good about him. I don't know. So, yeah, I think I think the Saints will be fine. It's just a question of how long does this take? How dragged out does it get? And then does it impact some of your offseason decision-making? So we'll see over the next couple of weeks uh, how quickly this goes. But I think, you know, if it's – I do think you're kind of getting it. I think you had an A pool, which is the coaches you could interview back when your season ended. Right. And now you're getting into the B pool, which is the coaches you can interview now that their season has ended. And then a few few more names like Mike Sullivan was a guy you could have interviewed back then uh, because the Steelers were out after the wildcard round. But you waited until now. And so I think that's a sign that some of the names have come off your board and you're and you're looking you're broadening your search. And, and the funny thing is, like, I want to come out with a I have a whole offseason plan that I've been waiting to kind of throw out but I do want to wait to see who the offensive coordinator is going to be before like I finalize that plan because that's going to impact it. Right. It's got to. Yeah, for sure. And you brought up the senior bowl and obviously with that cranking up next week, it is going to be interesting. Are they, are they going to get somebody in place for that event? I, you know, it, it's funny. I don't think the head coach, I'm sorry, the offensive coordinator is as important in that as Jeff Ireland is. Right. I got you there. Uh, and and I don't know have the have the Chargers hired a GM? Uh that's a good question. No, so they I don't think they have. So I, I got confused because the Raiders hired Tom Telesco that who was, it, was right. the Chargers GM. That's why I was kind of crossing lines in my head. So to me that's a big difference. If suddenly your scouting director doesn't work for you anymore. You know like like so who, if Jeff Ireland does leave, is it Michael Parenton? Who do you put into that role? Because, because I think that's a significant difference in terms of your Senior Bowl, um, like exploits. Because like I, you're you're getting a look, but it's you know it's going to be position coaches, there's going to be scouts who are there, and you can you know that information is going to be available. You can watch that that stuff 
back. Um, but like your, your scouting director is in charge of all of it. So that's, that, that kind of leaves you limbo, but yeah, I, I mean, I think you would like to have them in place, but I don't think you have to. Right. It's um, not like this desperate need of, Oh my gosh, we need this guy in mobile next week. You're not going to hire someone. You're not hundred percent sold on just to have him in place. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of what I'm saying. Now, if you are, if you do have like a home run hire and you feel like you got it, then all by all means get it done as quickly as possible. But I think, you know, I, I kind of the, the indication to me is you don't have that yet. Um it, it's weird right. to me. You, you see obviously some meetings happening, and then you see some are just Zoom calls. So I wonder what's the deal with that. Is it just because of somebody's maybe schedule or uh just curious on how that works out? What what deems an in-person visit and what is just a Zoom call? That's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I do think scheduling is a lot to do with it, right? Like I would imagine. I think there's instances where you're you're kind of testing the waters, and then if it's something you do want to move on, that's when you get the second interview and it is more in person, or if there's someone that you feel really good about and you just bring them in for the first time. But yeah, I mean, I think Zoom is something that became a thing over COVID like during COVID, and now it's just like sometimes it's just more convenient particularly if it's a coach that is still, you know, like a Clint Kubiak, right, who is still uh, in dealing with playoff game uh, this weekend, right? I think that uh, makes it a little bit more um, suitable for Zoom rather than asking this guy to fly all the way to New Orleans or you go out to Santa Clara randomly on a Tuesday just to talk to a guy who may or may not be even interested in your job or at least like to the point that it's it's worth – you know, jamming right, up so that, Right, that case zooms a nice feeler out to see what you know what vibe yeah. you get from them. Yeah, now head coach interview I think is a little more intensive. Uh, right, and so I, that that that's a little bit bigger of a question for me. But all right, let's wrap up this segment, um, and we'll come back and we'll get into the mock drafts uh, that we we teased earlier. We're going to start with Steve's, which is only a first round mock draft, and we're going to go into mine in the final segment, which is a two round mock draft and and trust me when i say i know very little about these second round prospects <laughs> this uh, we are way too early in the process but i think there's some interesting decisions we can get into so this is inside black and gold i'm jeff nowak he is steve geller we will be right back. 